Hello, hello. Here we are on this Sunday. So how is everyone? This is Twisted Wicked Crime with me, Christina. Oh my gosh, what a week it's been. It's been school prep and being excited. And I'm sorry if I sound horsey or literally but it under the weather. I'm not. I'm just extremely as fuck tired. <laughs> I have to get into a new routine with little girl in her school because she had her first day of preschool on Thursday. And I'm used to getting her up and getting her to the sitters and stuff, but this is just a little different. I have to wake myself up a little bit earlier and it's just been, I took two days off of work just to do this. So it's just been exhausting and I'm ready for the weekend. <laughs> um, as I record this during the day on Friday afternoon, I'm having water, but if you have kids, are they back in school too? I mean, summer just freaking flew by it's still hot as hell here, even though summer's technically over, it's not over here. I won't fall. But exciting news when I logged in today, I was just blown away at the fact that I've had 3,000 listens, y'all. Like, oh my gosh, of all time. Like, and it's still growing. I watch the number kind of go up every day, but today I freaking 3,000. And my follow base on the platforms that people listen to me is growing too. And it's just, this is just super exciting, and I thank you all for the support. I never imagined in a million years that I would start this, number one, and make it this far so soon. And I'm not showing signs of stopping anytime soon. So let's enjoy what I have coming. I have so many cases that I want to cover, and we haven't even cracked the surface yet. I hope to bring you once in a while cases that you've never heard, maybe like today's case. Last week, I mentioned I was going to bring you a mystery and a little less murdery type case. And this is a strange one, a fun one. It's creepy, yet you have to wonder what the hell happened. There are a lot of theories with this case, and I'm going to talk about each one. And they're all fun, and some might be slightly true. And I'm sorry, my computer keeps dinging at me for some reason. So if you're hearing that on podcast. I am sorry. I don't know what it's doing. It's being a boo-boo butt. But anyway, like I said, they are fun and slightly might be true. And I'll talk about which theory I think might be the truest. And also, I'd love to hear from you, like what you think. So let's uh, go back in time to World War II times. Now, during this time, things were tough. Um, people we're having a hard time with food, having a hard time feeding their families, even in other countries like England where this is. And one of these items that was very scarce was eggs. And right, we all need eggs. We need them to cook and bake and we even eat them. So like this was kind of a, this is like a staple in houses, right? Like I think everybody always has eggs. So this was kind of scarce back then. And it's kind of hard to think that that's weird, which speaking of, we kind of went through that uh, not too long ago where egg prices were ridiculously insanely high and we were kind of short on eggs too, I think, which is a crazy thought. But 
anyway, I could have gone down a rabbit hole with this whole no food in this time frame. It was almost like a Great Depression. Um, I know the Great Depression was in the 30s. This is in the 40s, but it's kind of along those lines. Families were just really struggling to feed themselves. And today we aren't really here to talk about that part of it. And I only mention it because of the eggs. And that's where our story begins. There isn't much that we know, but like I said, this is a fun one. So let me paint the scene for you. It's April 18th, 1943 in England, and the war was happening and you just had four boys being boys. It was springtime and the four boys biked to the edge of Hagerly Wood. I think that's how you say it, Hagerly. I'm going to go with that. It's late afternoon, kind of turning into dusk, which, oh my gosh, I love that time of day. Dusk is just so pretty with the sunsets, and we have beautiful ones here. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> the woods are very quiet, except for some rustles of rabbits running throughout. The boy, which I will, the boys, which I will get to who they are in a minute. They are carefully concealing their bikes at the forest edge. They're being very quiet and conscious of the fact that they aren't supposed to be there because it's private property. So these boys, they walk in a single file line down a well-trodden path into the trees. See, they were there to foraging for bird eggs, which like I said, is not uncommon. Eggs were strong amidst in the wartime rationing just for a lot of people. These four boys were Robert Hart, Thomas Willits, Bob Farmer, and Fred Payne. Just the best of buds, I'm sure. And I'm sorry, I um, my daughter's here and my husband's working, so if you hear noise from her in the background, that is her. I had to keep the door cracked because my cat, if she's in here with the door closed, is scratching to get out. And if she's on the other side of the door and it's closed, she's scratching to get in and it's very annoying. So anyway, sorry for the background noise of her show if you hear it or her randomly yelling out. Anyway, there's just the best of buds. I'm imagining the four just biking all over the town, forging for berries. No, just kidding. They were actually looking for eggs <laughs> that I'd throw in there because I don't know forging for berries in a forest seems like better than getting eggs. <laughs> Now, they were in uh, Hagley Wood, as I mentioned, which is a part of Hagley Estate in New Witchbury Hill. And this estate belonged to Lord Cobham. So he's a lord. So, you know, like you really don't want to be on this property. So these four were kind of like troublemakers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't really know if they were or not. They just needed some eggs for their families. They didn't seem to care at all that they were there in trespassing as they headed onward for more bird's nests. The narrow path they were on widened into a small clearing of fringed tall trees that were blocking most of the sky. They were huge. The light is starting to fade as evening was approaching and all the boys quickened their steps, eager to get the hunt underway. One of the boys, Bob Farmer, decided that he was going to split away from the other three and he came upon a large witch elm tree which he was drawn towards the blackened tree with its eerie spidery branches all tangled throughout. Now, if you've never seen one of these trees, they are super cool looking 
And they're also very kind of spooky, if you've ever seen one. And I'll, I'll post pictures, as much as pictures as I can of this case. I feel like these movies are seen in horror movies a lot. Or these trees are, I'm sorry. These trees are seen in horror movies a lot. I've been up since like 5.30. I'm tired. I'm getting tripped up on my notes here. And this is just kind of the perfect setting for what's inside this tree. Bob was like, I have to climb this bitch. No, he didn't say that, but he did want to climb it because this tree was a perfect spot for a bird's nest to be tucked away and hiding, and he knew it. So he stands at the base for just a moment, deciding how he's going to climb it, and then he secures a foothold and begins to climb up the tree. Ooh, boy, what are you going to find? He gets about halfway point when he can see the hollow of the tree. Bingo, a bird's nest. Now, this is what Bob is thinking, right? He's like, I think there's going to be a bird's nest in here. Well, as he looked down inside, he didn't see a bird's nest. He saw something, but he couldn't quite make out what it was. Now, he had some big curiosity. There was something white and lodged in the crevices of the tree. He sees what he thinks is a skull. Okay, at first, he's kind of like, ew, dead animal. Makes sense, right? Like an animal climbed that tree and got stuck in there and died. Now, he tried to rattle it free, but the tree branches snapped. So he's being very crafty, and he takes a piece of his clothing, kind of like making a fish, like a fish line, kind of, to pull the dead animal skull closer. And as he's doing this, he gets the skull out and he's like, oh my God, this is not an animal. He saw human hair and teeth. And this is when he realized this was a human head, not an animal. And this skull belongs to a Miss Bella. And it just stares at him. The face is very scary looking since there was hardly a face left. It was just rotted away to the bone had been there for some time. The face is just expressionless and he is struck with horror. Um, yeah, I would be terrified too. Like how the hell was there a human skull in a tree? And remember he had to climb up it too. Remember Bob screaming with horror yells for the other boys to come quick. (laughs) They come running shouting, what's wrong? They could all hear the terrify in his screams and the horror in them. When they arrived and approached, Bob was just pale-faced and trembling all over. He gets down from the tree and tells the other boys, look at what I found. He has the skull in his head. Still like, ew, gross, right? All the boys get into a heated debate before they come to a decision on what they're going to do with this human skull. Like, why is that even a question, right? Like, ew, stop touching it, first of all. But they all agreed that no one could tell anyone because they were on this property illegally and they could be arrested. So how could they report what they have and saw without getting into big-time trouble? Now, they had the skull when deciding this, and then they placed the skull that we are calling Miss Bella back in her resting place before they shot out of there on their bikes like a bat out of hell. Maybe they thought they saw hell? 
They didn't look back and they never returned. Months passed since the boys first discovered the skull. Bella is discovered when the eldest of the group, Thomas Willis, was feeling really uneasy about what he had seen. And he decided that he was going to be a good boy and tell his parents what happened. Well, thank goodness he did because maybe we would know one day, which we won't. Sadly, we won't know anything about this case, but we have this crazy story to tell you. So thank God he did. You know, would we have this fun true crime? It's kind of fun, I think. I don't know. It's like a lighter one. So police were called, of course, and they're like, there's a human skull in a tree. What the fuck? It's pretty crazy to them. I'm sure they've never seen anything like it. And there was a war going on. And I'm going to take a quick sip of my water because my mouth is dry. <sighs> so good. Police arrive on scene and they begin their investigation. When they checked the trunk, they were in shock. Because there was not just a skull in there. They found almost a complete human skeleton just shoved up in the witch elm tree hole. The skeleton had on one shoe, some traces of clothing, and lastly, a gold wedding ring. And this person was married. Someone had to be looking for her. I'm interested in person, right? That's what police are thinking. But police couldn't tell much from the scene. But the skull was still valuable evidence. Even though there was some missing teeth, it still had a clear dental pattern plus the tufts of hair. So it had almost a full set of teeth. There was just some teeth missing. The skeleton was oddly missing the hand, but they did end up finding this hand um, around the tree with like the bones kind of scattered around it, like the fingers, which we'll get to a theory um, related to that. It's like, what happened? How did the hand get detached before or after death? They thought that making... They thought that maybe making it removed after death since her whole body was placed in there instead of like before, but we don't really know. And as I said, the bones and fingers were scattered at the bones and fingers were scattered at the base of the tree. Why am I struggling with words today? But most likely an animal somehow got it and took off with the hand and that's how it got scattered, but we'll get there as well. They carefully removed the skeleton as it was in a weird place and How it got in there would have been hard, so it would be hard getting it out without damaging. The body was sent off to forensic, which is very fascinating to me what they were able to tell in the year of 1943. Like, the human mind is amazing, and the the research that we had at this point was, is so cool. The body was sent to pathologist James Webster in Birmingham. And it actually didn't take him long to determine that this body was a female aged 35 to 40 years old. And he had said that she had been dead for at least 18 months, placing her death before October 1941. Webster spotted a section of taffeta, which most people know what that is, but just in case, it's a crisp, smooth, plain woven fabric made from silk, a acetate or polyester, mostly used for ball gowns, wedding dresses, and corsets. It holds its shape better than other fabrics. So it's really pretty, right? Well, Webster spotted this in a section of her mouth, suggesting that she may have died from asphyxiation. 
but also this could have been from Bob trying to like make the fish line of clothing to get the skull. We, we really don't know, but we think she was suffocated to death, right? He also said that she was dead before being put in the tree. Given the measurement of the trunk, she would have to be placed in there still warm after being killed. He said that it would not have fit in there once rigor mortis took hold, which makes sense because your body becomes super stiff, right? Now, he also noted that she had given birth, which means she had at least one child. So, wow, she has a wedding ring and a child. So she must have a husband looking for her, right? And, like, I don't know how old the kid was, but maybe the kid was looking for his mom or she was looking for her mom. It's crazy. Someone had to have reported her missing. Now, the clothing that I mentioned that she had on her in the tree, she was wearing plain, modest clothing, which was very poorly made, which showed signs of her being of the working class, which means she wasn't like a housewife or anything like that. And police said they could tell what the woman had looked like from the items that were found on the body, but it was the second war and many people were being reported missing. And without proper identification that could take place, it would be almost impossible to match her up with one missing on the record. Now, police still did try what they could. They cross-referenced the detail against missing person reports throughout the region, but none seemed to match the evidence that they found, which is just a bummer. I feel like they had a good lead, kind of, with her being married and having a kid, but just no luck. They tried to contact dentists in the area since they did have her skull with the almost full set of teeth. And her jawline was very unusual, resulting in crooked teeth. So they thought they really had a shot with this one. But no. A year goes by and nothing. No one comes forward about any missing person in the area. Sadly, her case was slowly disappearing with people being preoccupied with World War II. But in 1944, on a wall in Upper Dean Street, Birmingham, Graffiti was spotted. Like, I didn't even know people did that back then, but it was discovered. And this is what it read. It says, who put Bella down the witch elm? And this was on Hagley Road near the forest. So, okay. This provided investigators with several kind of new leads for tracking down who this female victim is. We have a name, Bella. More messages appeared in the same handwriting, appearing into the 70s. But in the 70s, some similar graffiti was spotted near where her body was discovered, but it was slightly different with which, which if you know which Elm is spelt W-Y-C-H, whoever was copycatting and writing these messages spelled it the wicked witch's way. So the wrong way. So we don't know if... Bella is 100% her name, but hey, somebody wrote that, so they must know her, right? But who wrote that? So we're going to call her Bella. You know, that's what we're going to be calling her throughout this, and you heard me mention it earlier in the case. Doesn't seem like police are going to get any closer with this, but 
someone has to know something sadly. And like I said, they never figured out her true identity or what really happened to her. But there are some fun, ridiculous theories out there, and I really want to dive into those. There's two in particular um, that are really popular, and those are the ones that I'm going to present you, and they are definitely fitting for this case. It goes everything from witchcraft to... Okay, I'm going to... have I don't know why I have such a hard time pronouncing this word. To the occult... I did it through espionage. Now, there were wormers also being swirled over whether that graffiti that they originally had seen with the who put Bella down the witch elm may have been written by an ex-lover of hers or even her murderer. So, okay, that's kind of fun to think about. And I want to start with one of the fun theory. I mean, they're both fun, crazy whatever, but I want to start off with the witchcraft one because it just seems fitting for like kind of how eerie this case is. Like it's kind of weird, huh? It's an unsolved case that's never going to be solved like ever. And I don't like saying that about cases, but this one really is not going to go anywhere. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end. But so let's talk about the witchcraft theory. (laughs) Now, this theory came about by an anthropologist named Professor Margaret Murray. I don't know why I had trouble saying that right now. (laughs) One very popular one was that Bella was a victim of sacrificial witchcraft. The reasoning for this was that the hand that she had missing was found with the bones scattered about the tree. According to Professor Murray, this was reminiscent of a occult ceremony known as the Hand of Glory, which, ooh, intriguing, right? Which is an occultist practice to use to punish someone for their crimes or a witch, right, punished for their crimes, and they were hanged and their hand was cut off. The fat from the hand, because, you know, you can't let that go to waste, It was used to make a candle, and then it would be placed in the hand. Now, they first preserved it by dousing it in salt and then wrapping it to internally burn the victim. But for Bella, this seems a little far-fetched, as her fingers were scattered, but there were no candle in sight. Or maybe it's true, and it was done by an inexperienced occultist. I'm having trouble with words today, guys. I'm sorry. Maybe I should have done this later with a beer. I seem to be on my A game more with that. I'm just tired as fuck. That's what it is. I can't even read. My eyes are tired. Her name and where she was found sparked the witchcraft theory too. Her name, they think, the true meaning of belladonna, which is a type of poisonous plant associated with dark magic. Now, the local legend of Hagley Wood, where she was found, has an ancient history of witchcraft and an arcanic one that is unlikely to resurface in the 40s in Britain. But it's like a thought. Also, the way she was killed also gave the idea to witchcraft. There was an old saying that witches who commit crimes should be imprisoned in a tree, particularly a witch elm, which... I have said they are eerie like something in a horror movie. 
but they're associated with dark magic as well. But there is no evidence to any witchcraft activity akin to the Middle Ages or that was operating in that area at that time. So it's a ruled out theory since there was no other signs of occult activity um, of crime at that scene. No Campbell, no candles, no symbolism. It was just while the placement of her body was odd, and it's fun to think about that witchcraft had a hand in this. But police were like, this one is like super far-fetched, and we're going to just like dismiss that one altogether because it was presented to them, right? So this theory is a little more realistic, and it gets a little dramatic, espionage. They say Bella was a spy from Germany with the Nazi party, or at least involved in one. An elaborate tale of cloak and dagger becomes a popular, really popular with this one. When an anonymous letter was received from a woman who called herself Anna. And in this letter, it was sent to Wolford Byford Jones in 1953. So 10 years later. And he was working on a series of stories about Hagley Ward's deaths, which, hmm, when I was researching this and I read that, are there others? What is going on with this woods? Do I need to look into this more and do another another old-timey case? Do I? Do I need to do another old-time mystery? But this letter from Anna read, Finish your articles regarding the witch elm crime by all means. They are interesting to the readers, but you'll never solve the mystery. One person who could give the answers is now beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts. Much as I hate having to use a non de plume, I think you would appreciate it if you knew me. The only clues that I can give you are that the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and alive illegally in England about 1941. I have no wish to recall any more. Anna from Clarevy. Clarevy? I think that's how you say that. So that's interesting, right? She's naming dates and stuff, so she's using the name Bella. It's just crazy. In a series of more correspondence from Anna, she, Anna, God damn it. She claimed that Bella was involved with an informant for the Nazi spy ring, working to determine the location of local munition factories, factories which could be targeted by the, I have no idea how to say this word, so I apologize for butchering this, the Luftwaffe, 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 I think, something like that. It's L-U-F-T-W-A-F-F-E. So Luftwaffe, I think is how you say that. In a crazy turn, the police learned the true identity of Anna because, like I said, she called herself Anna. And she was revealed to be a woman named Yuna Masop. And the man she accused of killing Bella in her letter this is crazy, was her own husband, Jack Massop. Jack died 10 years before her claims, so that goes beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts comment, right? Like, you can't do anything. He's not here anymore. 
Yuna's story says that Jack worked at an ammunition factory in Coventry and that he was very good friends with a Dutchman by the name of Van Reet. Van Reet was a Nazi contact and working as a middleman to sell Jack information on the arm factory he worked at to spy operating in Midland. He worked as, you know, to spy there, which in turn looked for locations to be targeted by the Luftwaffe. I think I'm saying that right. I have no idea. That's a hard word to say. So you're asking yourself, okay, cool, Christina, but like, how does this connect to Bella's death? Well, apparently she was the companion, most likely wife of the Dutchman Van Reet. Van Reet? Van Reet? I think I said his name the first time. I don't know why I can't say it right now. And she came with him to England from the Netherlands, which makes a lot of sense, right? Like this would make sense to why she wasn't missed by anyone in that area. The story actually plays out her death like this. The three of them, so Van and Jack, right, were at the bar and they were getting drinks and getting drunk, as one does at a bar. But Bella was getting a little too drunky-drunky and she was getting a little wild. I'm like, just get a girl. Let loose. I'm going to let loose tonight after my daughter goes to bed. I'm tired. I'm probably going to fall asleep on the couch with my beer open. But it'll be worth it, right? We only live once. Well, because of this, she was embarrassing her partner. So the two men decide they need to get her out of the bar, and they decide to take her to the forest and put her in the elm tree, assuming that she would wake up the next morning. Okay, first of all, my thoughts on that is like, excuse me, what? You drove her to a witch elm tree and put her in it like that was a good spot to leave her for the night like that is (laughs) that is crazy to me (laughs) it's like i don't know like just put her in the forest or like take her home or something like you put her in the witch elm tree oh my gosh so that is the story of what happened apparently and (laughs) that's what you know you know, great. So she wrote on March 4th, you know, March or April, 1941. He said that he had been to the Littleton Arms with Van Reet and the Dutch piece. I think that that means Bella. And she had gotten awkward and passed out. And they went to a wood and stuck her in a hollow tree. And Van Reet said that she would come to her senses the following morning. So she's actually saying this is what they said. And she sounds like wackadoo (laughs) when she says that. Because I that is the exact words that she wrote. And I copied and pasted that part of the words that she wrote. And it sounds bizarre how she words that. That's just me. They claimed the woman was still alive when they left her in there. Okay, well, first of all, I have questions, right? Like, if she's drunk, how did they get her up the tree? Because remember, our friend Bob had to climb up the tree. How did they get her heavy ass? I mean, when I'm drunk, I'm heavy because I'm tired and I'm falling over. Like, I just I have questions. I have so many questions how they got her in there. 
and why if this is true well our buddy jack suffered from numerous guilt-ridden dreams over the woman in the tree following the event that he eventually went insane and he was admitted to a mental hospital a year or so later and he was only 29 years old now he did die in there not long after he was admitted so we don't really know we can't question him at this time that you know 1953 when yuna's writing all these crazy letters she did not provide or explain why it took her 10 years to come forward or what prompted her to do it but she she did so yay yana if this is true i mean it sounds pretty legit right i mean it's more legit and seems more like a possibility than the witchcraft thing but it's very far-fetched it's like a rambling of a crazy woman who wasn't concerned with preserving her husband's memory and just came up with this crazy story it is far-fetched as a huge sum of award money was offered to anyone with information leading to the capture of bella's killer which could have sparked Yana's, Yuna's, I keep saying Yana's, Yuna's imagination to make this whole thing up. And her claims were dismissed by police. Now her husband, Jack, really did go to a mental institution and he did die in there. So I don't really know. That's just a theory. I think it's pretty, pretty good one if you ask me. But she could have been doing it for the money. I think that one... If, any theory is going to be true. It's going to be that one. Now, those are just two of the popular ones, and there are even crazier ones out there, more lucrative ones, of course, which I'm going to share because they're just so crazy not to, right? Isn't this, like, fun, guys? Like, not talking about blood and gore. I kind of miss it, but I I wanted to bring you something lighthearted after all this nasty we've been having. So this is just a fun one, guys, a little break for the brain. Or not really, because I've been thinking about this case since I started researching it. Like, I want to know what happened. But another theory suggested that Bella was a German cabaret singer by the name of Clara Barrel. Barrel? We're going to go with Barrel. She was the girlfriend of a Czech-born Jospato agent named Joseph Jacobs. I don't know why. Names are really hard for me today. Who parachuted into Cambridge around the time that Bella was killed and captured by the home guard. He carried a picture of Clara in his coat pocket. And then the theory was just kicked off as she just was said to have disappeared not long after. She stopped appearing in shows and stopped performing and just disappearing into thin air. Now, rumors soared and more suggested that she was also involved in the spy network and was killed for this reason. Now, it's impossible as Bella was found in the tree, right? The Bella that we are calling this woman was 152 centimeters tall, which I am so stupid. I didn't even look up what that was. Um, I will Google it right now. What is a hundred and fifty two 
centimeters in feet. Okay. So I don't know why I was just doing research and everything's in centimeters because it's from a, a different country <laughs> in the United States. So Bella was four feet, 11 inches. Oh my gosh. She was tiny. Oh, wow. So yeah, she was small. And so our friend Clara, she was significantly taller and I'm not going to read it to you in inches or centimeters, which I might. So 177 centimeters, which is five feet, nine inches. So she was quite tall, like significantly taller than our friend Bella. And Clara's death was later found. It was recorded in a hospital in Berlin in 1942, not in an elm tree. Now, as stated, there is no evidence to get a solid conclusion, and we may never learn who she was or what happened. I mean, anything is possible. Maybe not the witchcraft, but maybe the espionage. It was World War II, and there were lots of German spies floating around. Her being drunk and placed in there is crazy but possible. There's a theory going around that Bella was probably a prostitute or a traveler and was murdered by a client. Sadly, out of all of them, her being a prostitute or a traveler, I mean, even though she had the wedding ring on, being murdered by a client makes the most sense to me because it was wartime and that was happening a lot back then. There was a lot of prostitution going on and sadly you know, as we know here in the true crime world that sex workers are targets for serial killers and are more often killed because whoever did it thinks that no one will miss them. They have no families. They have no, you know, life. They're just sex workers. So to me, that one almost seems the most possible, the most true. But the fact that they put her in the witch elm tree is still fascinating to me. So whoever did it, why they chose that, I mean, it's an excellent i'm going to tell you right now it's an excellent hiding spot to hide a body it really is i mean if she had died 18 months prior and nobody saw her and these curious little boys were just looking for eggs for their families like she may have never been found so bravo for the excellent hiding place but shame on you for murdering an innocent woman well i don't know if she was innocent maybe she was a nazi spy we have no idea and that's the fun of this right like just guessing and maybe we can come up with our own theories i personally don't know i mean i really think maybe she was a prostitute maybe she was a prostitute that got drunk and somehow climbed up the tree one night she's like i'm gonna climb this tree and fell in i i don't know but it's fun to think about <laughs> right so there has been so much time that has passed with this case that there is no evidence. It's gone. The skull, everything, it's just gone. So even if we, somebody in the investigation world decided they were going to get a fire under their ass and be like, I'm going to look up cases from like the 40s and 50s and such that have never been solved, they can't because there's nothing so there's no answers just one question who put bella in the witch elm tree well that one was a fun one huh 
That's today's story. That's all I got. It's a short and semi-sweet one. I thought it would be nice to bring you an old-time mystery, and we did. And it was a nice change of pace from the nasty murder, which, sorry, I will be bringing that back. But I think next week, because I think we earned it, because I did a slew of nasties for a while, I think I'll bring you another lightish one. It's still very scary and sucks big time and what happens is horrific, but there is a survival. So I think I'm going to do that one and then we'll bring you some more nasty, nasty cases because I've got in my list, oh gosh, 360 cases and it's growing. So guys, we are here. We're doing this. I love you guys. But you can see pictures of this case on my Insta at Twisted Wicked Crime the Pod. You can also DM me there with what you think happened to Bella. I'd like to hear it. Or even case suggestions, you guys. Like, like I said, I have a slew of cases, but I'll always take recommendations. There might be ones out there that I've never heard of. I just kind of go down a rabbit hole and Google true crime cases. And then when I see names pop up, I kind of like read the blurb and then I'll like pull it over to my my Google Drive list. But also, don't forget, you can buy me a beer or coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash twistedwickedcrime. I love the support so I can keep this podcast going. But as always, I love and appreciate all you beautiful strangers. So stay happy, stay healthy, make good choices, and of course, stay alive. Until next week, it's been fun, and I will talk to you all later. Bye.